0: The Laureate's born to fly, and the Guardians of the Galaxy are taking us to the Lakelands. I'm
1: Van Connor. And I'm Adam Ball, and this is off-screen, your seven-day guide to everything movies. Boom. Groovy. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Uh, we've got four. Brand new movies to talk about tonight that Van has seen. Of course, I haven't. So uh, we're going to start with Born to Fly. I'm going to start by just (laughs) telling you, Van, a bit of research on this. Um, And I could find one main quote that was repeated a few times. And it says, Chinese Top Gun Maverick, a load of trash.
0: I mean, the first half of that is right. Chinese Top (laughs) Gun Maverick. Um, Load of trash. Hmm, I could arguably, maybe, but you know what? Enjoyable trash, good trash. You've got to remember, okay, first of all, this is a Chinese-made, you know, movie, a Chinese blockbuster. It is a directorial, it's a first-time feature for writer-director, I think it's uh, Zhaoshi Lu. So first-time feature as well, you wouldn't tell to look at it. Couldn't find much on this this writer director. I bet they have an advertising or visual effects background though, given what, what I've seen here, because this looks sexy as hell. Right. So, it largely follows uh, follow, largely follows a single young sort of maverick type character. Maverick being the per, the name, not the uh, archetype. You know what I mean? The Tom Cruise character in Top Gun, uh, named yeah. uh, Lee Yu. And he you know, gets to join the new uh, elite test pilot academy program. That's effectively their version of Top Gun, specifically for test pilots. And this is all done within the within the sort of uh, the auspices of uh, you know the, the Chinese technological push to upgrade their defense forces. They want fifth generation fighters so that they can go toe to toe with the world and take on the foreign powers that keep trespassing across their borders. It's a, it's a very specific point of view you know what I mean
1: I yeah I do understand that part of it I mean one thing I'm already that I think is a bit of a shame why don't Mm. they ever make the female the pilot a female
0: right first of all there are basically naff or female characters in this movie right Uh, let me get to what's good about it first let me guess what's good about it so first of all this is two hours and seven minutes long sir and wow. it does not waste a moment of that screen time. If there's five seconds going spare in this, you bet your ass they have crammed in another dogfighting sequence, another great bout of aerial acro- you know, acrobatics, everything in there. This, this is this is enough. This is enough to actually bring Don Simpson back from the dead. This movie, it's insane, and it really does want nothing more than to simply be chinese top gun and that's fine because it's kind of plotless in that way that the original top gun is you know like top gun maverick has sort of a ticking clock we've got to get to the end get to the mission save the world well obviously top yeah. gun didn't really have that does not really a plot to the first top gun this is kind of like that it's pretty plotless but there's loads of like little mini character stories here and there like the first top gun it works. It, it's slick. It's stylish. It's cool. It's got that same kind of soundtrack. This is basically like a PlayStation generation Top Gun. Is, is the best way the best way I can describe it. It's awesome. Having said that, it's about nothing. I mean, it, it may as well be a, a, a soft drink <laughs> commercial at times. You know what I mean? Like you, it, literally, it, it's a diet soda of a movie. It's awesome soda. But it's got no added sugar. You know what I mean? There's, there's there's nothing in there's It's all chemicals. It's all formless in here. You know what I mean? It's There's, there's not an awful lot going for it. As you say, that, about the female characters, there are naff all female characters because that's just the mentality of this kind of a movie. It's very steeped in its jingoism in that same kind of rah-rah way that Top Gun was. And, you know, Top Gun Maverick kind of uh, amusingly less so, in a strange way. But uh, this has that same kind of jingoism going for it. And I, uh, I I went long for the ride with it. Like I say, it's, it's, it's crap. It's trash. You know what I mean? You, you said it yourself. It's trash, but it's enjoyable trash. And it's big IMAX scale. You know, let's, let's blow some stuff up kind of trash. So I'm down for that. It's a good time.
1: So... Let's do some comparison here. Then we know, obviously, okay, and cool. I'm a, you know, I'm a huge, huge Top Gun fan, anyway. So the oh, original God, yeah. Top Gun, we know how that was filmed in the '80s. Um, mm. a, a lot of very clever camera work for the for the you know dogfights, etc. Then we move forward to the Maverick uh, version of, of filming, where they actually filmed in the cockpits. So yeah. As we know, Tom Cruise, you know, he t- he chose the cast that they all had to learn how to like yep. sit and fly and take the G strap them all in, that.
0: didn't he? Yeah.
1: Whereabouts does this fall between the two of those? Are we talking real cockpit action or are we talking it's a lot of action, but there's not a lot of it coming from the cockpit?
0: Now, now, having not uh, gotten a concrete answer on this myself and just, just having watched the film, I did find myself sort of flipping back and forth on it. How were they actually doing it? Now, I do believe that there is some practical filming uh, at play there they have put them in, in copies, I would say for certain sequences um, nothing to the level of awe, you know, all that we had from Maverick though because they, they looked like nothing else we'd ever seen those, those sequences um, yeah. I will also I mean this has some practical filming but there are some clear sequences where they have been the, the sort of the, the, the landscape behind them has been comped in has been digitally comped in yeah. and the planes themselves could just be uh, CG. Like there's there's a lot to that, but you don't particularly feel it. It's not there's never a, a noticeably bad effect that takes you out and be like, oh god, no, that that's ruined the reality of that for me. There's nothing like that. Uh, you do find yourself quite immersed in it. It's worth noting, right? There is there is some aerial stuff in here. Like I said to you uh, before we start recording, you, the Top Gun boy in you is going to go nuts for this movie. Yeah, I mean it is like just a subtitled Top Gun kind of Maverick kind of side piece. But there is stuff here like you've never seen before. Like there, there is a, there is a lot to the aerial sequences in this movie that just made me sit back and go, "Wow, I've nev- never seen anything like that." And it, it just does genuinely dazzle. There's some stuff with there's some stuff with sonic booms in flight sequences that I thought was really well done as well. Some of the aerial sequences in here. I, if I was going to give it a comparison as well, I'll also add the movie Stealth. To that list from two thousand five, two thousand six, Stealth, because that had yeah. some awesome aerial stuff. Like until Top Gun: Maverick, that was kind of the last great aerial, you know, combat movie. This, I would say, this is more in line with something like Stealth than it is Top Gun: Maverick. But like I say, it, it's it's a, it's a ride. It's a trashy, fun, enjoyable ride. It's it's art is. In the right place, it's the, it, it, it's it's serving the mother country, you know. It's 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 doing its job. It's arguably, a, arguably, you know, a little bit more righteous in itself worth than, for instance, a Michael Bay movie. And I say that as a Michael Bay fan. Um, yeah, I mean, if you can get past the subtitle Barry in your case, you're going to rock out to this. Uh,
1: let's just quickly, because you know I'm a plane geek here. Let's just quickly talk mm-hmm. about the planes. Uh, and you might not yeah. know the answer to this because you aren't a plane geek, as far as I'm aware. Obviously, Top Gun, it was the Tomcat. What are they using in this? What is their future fifth generation battle plane?
0: I'm not sure if it's not an entirely original construct that come up with for the movie, because I've never seen a plane quite like it.
1: It, Oh, that excites me more.
0: Yeah, it's a very distinctive looking stealth fighter that they have. And I've not seen anything quite like it before. It has like missiles that pop have all the cool little spots on it. Really cool. Um, like I say, it's called Born to Fly. Uh, it's in, it's on limited theatrical from today. Uh, now, if Guardians of the Galaxy is sold out this weekend, because everyone's going to see Guardians, whether I say it's good or bad, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if anyone says it's good or bad. If people are people going to go and see Guardians regardless? Um, this is for when, that's, when those screens are packed out and you think, do you know what, we're here, let's just see a movie. Go and see this one. And like I say, it's a ride, especially if you like Top Gun Maverick. Definitely go and see this one.
1: Well, there you go. Born to Fly, if you want to go and see it. Uh, We are going to be reviewing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 in a bit. But next, we're going to look at the movie called Lakelands, which is out in cinemas from today. And uh, we'll see what Van thought of that next. Stay where you are. Hello and welcome back to Off Screen. Uh, so we're going to be looking at Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three in a moment, but right now let's look at the movie called Lakelands, which comes out in cinemas from today. Um, I get the feeling that this is quite a deep movie.
0: Yes, yes, it's, it's quite a deep, nuanced one. This one. So it's a new movie uh, from uh, writer-directorial team uh, Robert Higgins and uh, Patrick McGivney, and uh, it's, it centres around uh, young guy you know, maybe late 20s, early 30s, named uh, Kier. It's, 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 it's an Irish film. It's set in Ireland. He's named Kier. Um Lives in a sort of small rural town uh, in which he is like a, a, he plays for the local football club, like a low, low-tier low professional footballer. like a jobbing professional footballer. He gets involved in an attack uh, one night. He's beaten up outside a club whilst he's out drinking with his mates. And uh, as he starts to come back from the injury, he starts to face complications in how he can, you know, how how the you know how his recovery. Will or will not enable him to return to you know the, the sport that he you know that he defines his life by, and at the same time also intersects with the reintroduction reintroduction of um, an old love interest, an old flame, who returns to town having absconded to London several years previous. She comes back into town to like you know to see her family and catch up with the girls kind of thing, and uh, they start to rekindle their relationship. And starts you know them asking questions of. Quite what they want out of their lives. Have a listen. This is the general vibe. This, this is a bit. Actually, no, know, this is kind of on the money for the vibe.
1: Can't have passengers seen? this year. Need <laughs> you leading by example. Don't worry about me. Don't give me reason to them. People go away and then they think they're different to the people who stayed. You've got such a chip on your shoulder against anyone that ever left.
0: If you hurt yourself again it could result in permanent damage. Did you get checked up?
1: I said it's fine. You're not focused, Keane. You're all over the shop.
0: You can't play football. It's not the end of the world.
1: Can't even look after me on farm anymore. Take the rest of the day off. Go on. Firstly, I absolutely love the southern Irish accent. Just mm. it just suits that kind of tone really well. Um secondly, is it a tearjerker?
0: Actually, no. It's it's not so much a tearjerker. I, uh, I I did I did find it moving. I, I did find it moving, not in a in, a, in, in like you say as a tearjerker kind of a way, but I think it, it did have an emotional resonance that I found myself quite taken in by. Um, the central performance here, now this is where I'm really really going to make an ass out of myself because I'm going to have to pronounce this name. Now, oh, and it, it, it's an Irish name that I have never said aloud before, and I want to say Yana Hardwick. E A, it's E with an accent above A double N A. Yana? I was yeah, like hard, sounds hard, about hard. right to me. As Kian. Um, absolutely tremendous performance in the lead. Now I, I, I thought he was absolutely brilliant. He does, however, I think, get his thunder taken away, however, by uh, Danielle Galligan, who plays the old flame who you know, returns to town. I, she just feels like she is... He's, he's very good. She's great. And she, you kind of know it within a few seconds of her entering a scene. And I, I, yeah, I, it, it, say a the pair of really good performances at the centre of this do power this emotional, very sort of say a very emotionally resonant, although not forwardly propulsive story. It's not a movie in which an awful lot happens. It is, you know, it, it's quite soap opera ish. It is very much, a, you know, a, 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 a small scale character drama, but I thought done really well. It's got um, a sense of a sense of immersive locale. To it, in the way that it defines this you know, the small village, this small town that they all live in, you do feel sort of very taken in by the, the the sense of the location. You're aware at any given time as to where everything in this town is, for instance, and, and you know how 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 the boys have to like abscond just like 20 minutes down the road to actually get to the nearest pub, kind of a thing. It's as far as Irish movies this year go, it makes a nice follow up to the Banshees of Inisherin. In uh, in that regard, I thought, but I think you really, I think you like this, to be honest.
1: See, for what you've said, I feel that hmm. I would lose interest early on because I think for me, I need a movie that grips me from the start and keeps me propulsed throughout the whole movie. Otherwise, I stop and then I, end, I find myself looking at my phone and flicking through TikTok and doing things that I shouldn't be when I'm trying to watch a movie. So. I don't know whether I'd like this and I've I've tended hmm. to avoid deep and meaningful movies in my since I hit 40 years old because I find myself tearing up at such the easy since becoming a dad actually I think it is History, so I avoid yeah. them.
0: Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's 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 the 40 thing. I mean I'm not I'm 40 this year so I've you know I mind just setting early because I watch too many movies <laughs> <I swear laughs> it is. But uh, no I say I uh, do you know what it is for me I I found really uh, really resonant was the uh, the element of for instance, your central character, Keen having to give up, you know, face the idea of, you know, a life without football. Something that has come yeah. to find his life. And obviously, you know, for someone like me, for instance, I, I a film for that. Like, that that defines my life in much the same way that this is going. So, So, you know, you, you get that sort of, like, emotional hook, like, God, yeah, this that's really, that's really hard. I almost cursed then. That's, that's really cutting. That's really cruel. Ouch! You know, I, I did find myself going along with it. And, yeah, also, yeah, I'm, I'm walking injured at the moment, so I'm a little bit of sore and you know emotionally tender at this moment in time. So yeah, it got me. Sorry, I was really taken in by I think I'm gonna I'm gonna keep calling him Yana uh, Hardwick. I think his performance uh is, is noted really,
1: really great.
0: But uh Daniel Gallagher, MVP for me, I think she owns it. I'd keep an eye on her. I really would.
1: How um, how long is it? Did you find yourself looking at your watch at all?
0: No, no, it's a tight tight it's a tight tidy, tidy hundred minutes. You know, Titan oh, okay. Tardy, like, hour, you know, 100 minutes, hour 40, I think it was. And, yeah, it, it doesn't feel, it uh, doesn't overstay its welcome. It doesn't feel dull at any point. I say, even though it's not a movie about an awful lot happening, you don't feel like there's nothing happening. You are taken in, you're engaged by it, you 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 know, you are brought into this story. And it's one of those times, like actually, to say, you've got a sort of simulation of what the what the Star Trek Hollow novel experience would actually be like. You're like, oh, I'm quite immersed in this, yeah.
1: Well, if you want to make your own mind up, you can, because it is in cinemas from today. Right, then. It's the big one next. Well, as far as <laughs> I know, it's the big one next. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Van went to the big screening, had a lot of fun from seeing his socials, and we'll talk all about that and what he thought of the movie in just a minute, so stay right where you are.
0: Now it's time for a segment we like to call "Off Screen Pays the Bills. Hey, Adam. Hey, Van, what's going on? Ain't nothing going on but the rent. You know how it is. Or to which end, it gives me great pleasure to thank our sponsors for this week at NordVPN. If you've never used a VPN, it's kind of essential. It's one of, the, one of those essential things in my uh, my digital toolbox as I go through life. A program you run on your device that uh, adds a layer of like, extra security to your location data and also protects you from you know scams and phishing and stuff like that. Now, NordVPN, one of the biggest on the planet. I use NordVPN. Uh, myself. I use it because obviously you can change your location data and things. I use it for streaming platforms more than anything. When I have to uh, access stuff that's on, on Paramount Plus in the US but not in the UK, I subscribe in the UK, I switch my location. A whole bunch of things. But it's so easy to use. You can literally you can connect with one click or you can, you can have set up like an auto connection where it just connects automatically for you. They're based in 60 countries, so you're, you can scatter yourself all over the globe. Uh, it's the fastest VPN on the market and it's on every major platform. So Windows users and Android users, iOS, macOS, Linux, apparently even Android TV. I don't have an Android TV. I'm more of a Roku guy, but uh, apparently they're on Android TV as well. And say so, so you can access you know, streaming platforms from around the world, extra security, complete anonymity. You can give them a try over at nordvpn.com slash offscreen. That's nordvpn.com slash offscreen. And from there, you may surf the web in complete security.
1: Hello and welcome back to the podcast. All right, then, let's do it. Straight to it. Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. Van Conner was lucky enough to go to the screening, which looked absolutely crazy from uh, seeing his social media posts from the night. Talk to me.
0: Yeah, thank you thank you for sourcing that, by the way. Uh, just I wasn't going to say that. Reason.
1: Yeah, yeah, credit where it's due. Thank you for
0: sourcing that screening for me, Adam, because, yeah, that, that, that took some BBC poll. Um, right. Uh, so, yes, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, um, which is the sorry, third one, obviously, of the Guardians of the Galaxy was the trilogy closer for this series. The Guardians have appeared in other forms. There is a canonical uh, Christmas special that we had just this past season that was the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, holiday special. I believe the animated shorts, I Am Groot, our mcu uh, canon as well and the guardians of course also turned up in uh the the, the last two Avengers movies, Infinity War and Endgame, and uh, uh, what do you call it? The, 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 the Thor one, the crap one. Thor: Love and Thunder. That was it. <laughs> the <Yeah>. crap one. <laughs> the crap one. I'm sorry, but that now, that now is the worst MCU movie. Surely, yeah. Like, I'll, yeah. I'll take a Quantum Mania. I'll take a Quantum Mania over a Thor Ragnarok. Uh, Thor: Love and Thunder. Sorry, uh, Ragnarok was awesome, and Thor: Love and Thunder is the movie that should have been like the best of all the MCU movies. It had everything going for it. Um, but yeah give it up to uh, one Kiwis vanity project eh? anyway so the guardians are back uh, this time around the basic status quo is that the guardians are based out of nowhere which is the giant floating asteroid head of a celestial that they they visit in this series sometimes. The Guardians now own that. That is now Guardians HQ. Uh, they are based there. Um, Peter Quill, aka Star Lord, Chris uh, Chris Pratt. Get my, my Chris's straight because we had Pine. When was Pine? Pine was in something recently, wasn't he? Yeah, I do
1: remember. Yeah. you talking about, Chris Pine? What was Which, it? We was talked about. Oh, he guy. he Dungeons and
0: Dragons was Pine.
1: That was
0: it. That was it. Pine did Dungeons and Dragons. Pratt does Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes. Okay. So oh, and, and that Pratt sounds like also a film in right? itself. <laughs> yes, it's, yeah. And and, and Pratt was also Mario, obviously, as well recently. So, uh, Star-Lord, Chris Pratt's character, he's now kind of down the dumps. He's all miserable and depressed because... The love of his life is out there and doesn't remember who he is. She's got complete amnesia, so she might as well, you know, just have forgotten. He ex- she, she might as well be dead to him, effectively. Um, everyone he ever has ever loved has gone, as he sees it. What has he got to live for? So, of course, this kind of mopey, uh, mopey sensibility then kicks him into high gear when there is an attack on the Guardians HQ by the gold villains from the last movie, uh, Elizabeth the uh genetically engineered race uh, in which rocket raccoon is mortally wounded he is going to die rocket has like mere hours but he is on the table he ain't gonna last so it's a desperate free-for-all to try and find any way to save rocket raccoon and it very quickly transpires that the thing that might hold the key to you know saving rocket is in all of those cybernetic enhancements that he's had welded to his body this entire time that we've never really thought to ask any questions about. We've all just kind of taken it as just part of, like, why there's a talking raccoon. It has been brought up. I think in the very first movie, they did mention that he was, like, he'd been experimented on. But it's just never come up. So now it's going to come up. And this mission to find the source of the experiments that you know, gave us Rocket Raccoon, also fling the Guardians headfirst into the crosshairs of the man responsible for those experiments, who has designs on something a lot more galaxy changing. Have a listen, this is said mastermind.
1: You must find
0: Counter-Earth familiar. Counter-Earth? I visited your planet many years ago. Earth hasn't been my planet in a long time.
1: Your people had wonderful spirit. Mm. The art and music and literature with some of the finest in the universe, Earth would be a fabulous place were it not for the ignorance and bigotry. Okay. It inspired me to create Counter Earth. I don't care. All of the good and none of the
0: bad. I don't need another speech by some impotent whack job whose mother didn't love him
1: rationalizing why he needs to conquer the universe.
0: I'm not trying to conquer the universe. I'm perfecting it.
1: Oh, that's, that's a nice line that is. I like that. What's yeah. the soundtrack like to this?
0: amazing thought so absolutely amazing Um, there is I mean obviously the the track list is out there in the world it's because they kind of they kind of drop it as as part of the ceremony now as part of the Guardians movie they drop it on social a few weeks in advance I think James Gunn does the honours himself and uh, you can follow James Gunn on Spotify and Get access like his his, his shared playlists, and uh, he's a hell of a DJ, that man. Um, I, I, did, I did the very first Guardians press trip back in 2014, and uh, I I was already a fan of his by that point, but I fell in love with that man that day. Like, what a guy! He is a proper legend, is James Gunn, and you know what? He's not skipped a beat. Uh, at true true to form, we have a James Gunn movie in every sense, and like all James Gunn movies, it's pretty damn good it 's got the heart it's got the soul it's got the funk you know what I mean it's got that swagger it's got that it's it's got the right playlist for it because you know, it, it, you know, it's pre it's pre-made for the movie and there is a there's a sequence with a uh, uh, and the machine track that I think just just had buckets of tears just waving through uh, our cinemas uh, the movie opens incidentally because the second the, the very first movie opened with come and get your love by Red and kind of Repopularized that song, gave that song an entirely new life. The second movie did Mr. Blue Sky and had a great sequence with the baby group. Oh, E.L.O. Uh, to, 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 to Mr. Blue Sky. This movie plays out, it literally opens by playing out over the origin story of Rocket Raccoon. And the song they use is, again, like uh, Mr. Blue Sky in the last one, and a very overplayed song. They use Creep by Radiohead. And in much the same way that Mr. Blue Sky is a very overplayed song, you would think, you know, surely you can't get much new out of that. Yes, they do. They managed to find I'd find, a whole new emotional level on which to make that song work. And that, in a nutshell, encapsulates exactly what's so brilliant about James Gunn and the music thing and the swagger that come through all of his movies. The man takes ingredients that shouldn't work. Uh, to use an example from Guardians of the Galaxy 2 you've literally got a sequence in which Kurt Russell and his son are playing catch. You know, they're using an energy ball in that case. And in that movie, you know, he played, I think it was played over uh, was it My Sweet Lord by George Harrison, I think, in that case? And you're watching it thinking, you've taken a really mawkish, cheesy, sort of, you know, done-to-death thing, and you've found a way to recontextualize and add new meaning to that with the layering of pop culture and just, just this unashamed schmaltz. This completely unembarrassed completely self-aware sense of heart and that's what you feel a lot of the way through guardians 3 i i say it's it's got it's got the laughs it's got the tears it's got the action and those i think are the three staples that you need from this i uh, i would argue that the holiday special maybe is not as big a canon as people would seemingly think it is now this movie seems like it it treads treads a fair bit of the same ground like quill now seems to have been depressed twice in a row because the whole function of the holiday special was quill's depressed let's go and kidnap kevin bacon this time around it's quill's depressed but we've got a mission let's let's go on it um i will argue chris pratt gets the most acting uh he's had to do in this franchise to date, like like this is this is where he's he's really going for it, and it works. Like fair play to him. I don't think anyone's ever calling Chris Pratt a bad actor. I, he's very good here. And um, Bradley Cooper, though, as Rocket, gets to own this. It's a great vocal performance, and he's always been a the, the very well. You know, it, you wouldn't describe Rocket as a one-note character, but most of the character development with Rocket kind of got done on the last one and going into the origin story and, and mining it in the way that they have and particularly reaching the emotional denouement that they do with this character because this is the end of the guardians of the galaxy of these guardians of the galaxy there there is room for other stuff we can see us and yes there are cameos from this franchise that obviously do reappear so do look out for you know your your staples of this universe for instance i'm not sure if miley cyrus is back in this one because i know she was in the in the last one um but, you know, spoiler alert, we kind of knew this one in advance, long in advance, but yes, Stallone is back for, for about the same amount of screen time that he had uh, in, in the second one. So they've got some of the, some of the requisite cameos. Um, and as far as new additions to the cast go, um, I will say um, Chukwudi Iwuju uh, Uji, sorry, from uh, Peacemaker, worked with James Gunn on Peacemaker. He's the team leader on there. I already liked, I already liked as an actor very much, but here is going for that sort of very towering Shakespearean level villain like he's single-handedly setting out to try and knock down the quote-unquote marvel villain problem um i say new fans i think maybe a little bit confused by some of the mythology but they'll get it picked quick enough this is certainly nowhere near as complex as the star wars movie for instance um but i think fans are in for a hell of a ride um it's another five star effort it's another two thumbs up you know it's another make sure you take the kleenex it's uh, another just plan your night around this see this movie it's Great. It's one of the best Marvel flicks in ages. It's the one I've enjoyed the most since Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and I know I'm alone in liking that movie. But more importantly, it's the first Marvel movie in a long time that I've come straight out of and thought, God, I can't wait to see that again. Like just I race I wanna race back in and see that again. And I, I hadn't had that, I think, since the, the last couple of Avengers movies, I would say. Oh, No Way Home! I did with No Way Home actually. It's a lie, uh, but it's the first one is No Way Home. The way I just can't wait to get back in that cinema and, and see that show again.
1: That's really interesting, and, and obviously good news for Guardians of mm. the Galaxy fans because you know quite often with franchises and, and sequels they don't tend mm. to get better and better or even stay at the same level. But you'd yeah. say this is the same level as the first and the second
0: well i mean don't get it wrong i think like they they, they you know they, they're less effective as they go on i still think the first is a the first is a bona fide masterpiece the second is a really really good sequel still a five-star movie but not as good as the first and this i'd say is the same again Where it's it's, it's not as good as the second but they're all great movies i think the the real treat here is 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 watching james guns continued evolution as this sort of very singular pop culture auteur. James Gunn has now become who Joss Whedon was meant to be. That's the really interesting part of it. James Gunn has has taken, he's, he's fulfilled the Whedon prophecy. He is the chosen one, it seems. Uh, I just want to point out as well, we saw this in IMAX and they had some specially filmed uh, intro with Chris Pratt and Karen Gunn for this. And it was, you know, hey, you've seen this in IMAX. That's so great. You know, sit back, relax, enjoy. They didn't show that intro in IMAX. They showed it in the centre of the screen. In this. No! It, yeah. it just, you had one job. You had, it's like warning, sign out of order. You know, it's, 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 you had one job. You know what I mean?
1: Oh, but, no. Yeah. That's like being on an aeroplane and only be allowing your window shutters to be open when you're on the ground exactly that
0: isn't it yeah exactly that yeah so it's, it's oh. like yeah it's, it's like when yeah I just that, that really blew my mind but, but you know what it, it didn't take away from just a really bloody great trilogy closer and you know what there is now an argument when someone says what is the most consistent and brilliant movie trilogy there is now a real argument. You can actually get away with being a smart ass and saying Guardians of the Galaxy in the same way that for years you could do it with Toy Story until they went and made the fourth one that kind of ruined it for that. But uh, yeah, you can now get away with saying Guardians of the Galaxy might actually be the best film trilogy. There, I said it. No regrets.
1: <laughs> well, you can make your own mind up. It is in cinemas already. It came out on Wednesday, if I'm Wednesday, right. yeah.
0: Wednesday, this one, yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay, well, we're going to be back. We've got one more movie to review with Van Conner, and uh, I think I'm pronouncing this right. Is it called The Laurette?
0: The Laureate. The Laureate? Po- like Poet Laureate. Laureate. Oh, it's
1: spelt differently to that, though. Poet Laureate. Yeah, I think, I, mis-
0: I, think I misspelled it on the script.
1: Oh, right. Okay, yeah, <laughs> fine. You'll <laughs> find me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we'll talk about The Laureate in uh, just a moment to so stay right where you are. Hello and welcome back for one last ride. We've got one more movie to look at, uh, *The Laureate*. So that's out in cinemas from today. Van Connor has seen it already. Um, I, I know nothing about this. So, do you want to set the scene for us?
0: Do, do I? Oh yes, I do, <laughs> Mister Ball. Right, so this is the story of, uh, of, of the poet Robert Graves uh, played here for the screen by uh, Tom Hughes and it's about uh, Graves' relationship with his wife and their shared girlfriend an American author who uh, comes to stay with them in the UK and whom both start to fall for Before you can say Professor Marson and the not-so-wondrous women you've got a full-blown polyamorous triangle on your hands Have a listen to this scintillating show This talented
1: husband of yours must write again. Here's to a long, prosperous, beautiful partnership.
0: Two women under one roof. How do you find time to write? Laura and I are collaborators. Nothing more. What are you after? You know, I could
1: ask you the very same question. Your friends don't respect me. I think you are extraordinary. I won't lie. When you read The Laureate as a title of a movie, I'm a bit meh. But after that, I'm in.
0: I mean, you shouldn't be. It's crap, but uh, oh, it's also worth, No, you've you ruined know, it. It's also... <laughs> <laughs> not a bury the lead there for you. Uh, also, not, if we t- if we're talking about deceptively unsexy movie titles for sexy movies, I am just going to point you to the existence of the movie Secretary. And drop the mic right there. Uh, yeah, so n- n- never judge a book by its cover and don't don't judge a movie's sexiness by its title. Um, this is uh, well, this is a decidedly unsexy movie, it has to be said. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, it, you know we were talking about Born to Fly and you talk about, like, you know, trashiness? This is a movie that... And I, I feel almost bad saying this aloud. Right. One of its female leads is Diana Agron. You know... From Glee, you remember when they tried for five minutes back in about 2012 to make Diana Agron a thing, except it yeah. very quickly turned out there really wasn't much of a thing to Diana Agron, so they just kind of gave up. It, it, it's what we call an Alex Pettifer play. You know, it just didn't quite pan out. They tried to ram that down our throats. It didn't quite pan out. And it, I, I'm, I'm, I'm saddened to say that in the in the intervening years, she, she has not gained any thespian clout, shall we say. This very Uh, much does feel like someone from Glee starring in an Edith Wharton adaptation with Tom Hughes, who, you know, one of those, you know, uh, British Assembly Line drama school uh, actors who's just born to play period piece figures. You know, perfectly suited to this. Very stuffy. It's got the right show, chaps, yes. And he's starring opposite Laura Haddock, Guardians of the Galaxy alum, Laura Haddock's Star-Lord's mum, who... Is just better than this material. I mean, she's she's trying to bring some respectability to it. He's bringing the stiffness, <laughs> pun intended. And, and then you've got Diana Agron kind of just bringing the valley girl to the room. And what you're left with is just a chamber piece that. Do you remember that old Family Guy gag uh, in which they, the Family Guy does a bit um, where they joke about British porn? And, uh, and you have one character, they actually show you one character talking to another. You know, Madri, we could be having a sexual intercourse life right now, but let's not.
1: Very much oh, that. Oh, no. You could kind oh. of
0: hear it in the clip, couldn't you? Like, could you not? You could yeah. pick up that vibe from the clip. Yes, it's very much. I'm going to yeah, modify. I'm going to demonstrate the chasteness of the scene by unbuttoning my cravat at a very leisurely pace. <laughs> you know, it's one one of those kind of a movies. I mean, there's there's some attempts at like you know uh, at nudity and, and sensuality here that just fall completely flat. Just, there's just there's, there's there's nothing to this. And Is there anything no. positive you would say about this? It inspired me to want to revisit Professor Marston and the Wonder Women from 2017, which was the exact same story about the guy that created Wonder Woman. He was played for the screen by Luke Evans. I'm trying to remember. I think Rebecca Hall was his wife and their mistress was Psycho X Girlfriend from the Fifty Shades adaptations. Uh, And a really great movie that people slept on that one. and Yeah, they really should see it. It's a really good one. And a better version of this same ruddy story. So go and seek out Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman and avoid, you know, Professor Graves and the kind of average women, if we're honest.
1: So I'm guessing that was the longest uh, 90 minutes of your life.
0: Was it 90 minutes? Hang on, I want to check that it wasn't 90 minutes. It was 104. It was 104 oh. minutes. And I resented it. I resented it for those, you know. Although, <clears throat> I forgot to tell you about this earlier when we were talking about Born to Fly, because we're getting to the end of the show. So, in, in conclusion, looping this back, as it were.
1: Okay. Talking
0: about how, you know, 104 minutes. I, I want to talk about um, seven or eight seconds. Not even that, maybe three or four seconds of cinema this week. That genuinely blew my mind and it was in born to fly and it was a sequence (laughs) i want to point (laughs) out right born to fly ends right its story ends and then they just go and chuck on an entire other action sequence it's brilliant for no they just bolt on us you know what we've we've got more screen time chuck another action sequence in and they do like it ends and they just have another action. Like, do you want a cherry on? So, do you want dessert? We're not doing post credits. Just have another action sequence. And they do. Like a full 10 minute long action sequence. Completely meaningless. Yeah. I mean, they, they managed to sort of crowbar it into the narrative. But you're like, I feel like you could have ended this movie like 10 entire right. minutes ago. I'm not faulting you for doing this. It's awesome. Right. But to get to that action sequence, right? That action sequence takes place at like a military demonstration. Okay and the previous scene is on an, is on an airbase right now conventional wisdom and logic would tell you right that to get from that airbase to that military demonstration we as the audience would be presented with a simple transition a single cut one might say maybe yeah. if you wanted to be flashy some kind of a swipe you know or something like that oh no not born to fly my friend no no Not at all. Born to Fly, dedicates, I'm gonna guess, maybe three to four seconds, right, of its screen time. Instead of simply transitioning, cutting between scenes, no, no, it tilts its camera to the sky, shoots off into orbit, wraps itself around the nearest satellite it can find, slingshots back to Earth, and just lands right in the middle of an aerial formation going into that military display. The whole thing takes three to four seconds, probably cost more than any home you or I will ever own to make. And it was just... I love that. Chef's kiss. Hashtag cinema. You get a full score Scorsese for that one what a movie that is born to fly that is in cinemas this weekend chinese top gun but trash i think uh, you said it was described as yeah unbelievable <laughs> seek out born to fly this didn't why do a transition when you can literally go into orbit and slap back that is filmmaking at its finest right there and a chinese propaganda movie no less hats off to you hats off now that is that's how you do it son
1: I absolutely love the sound of that. And, you know, because it's so similar to Top Gun, and I'm such a Top Gun (laughs) massive fan, I might even put the subtitles to the side for this one and just give it a go. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I've got a feeling I'm going
0: to enjoy it. So, um, (laughs) If it it wasn't subtitled, they wouldn't get away with half of the absolutely terrible dialogue that they do. Because there's some absolutely terrible, (laughs) terrible dialogue on offer here. But it works kind of within the context. It's a subtitled movie, I kind of of accept something got lost in translation. It's fine. But you know what? Speaking of lost in translation, next week there is a movie out. And we're going to be talking about this. It's called Love Again. And it stars uh, Priyanka Chopra-Jones. But uh, and Sam Ewan I believe, as well from uh, Outlander, A.K.A. my mum's favourite show ever. I think uh, it's, it's it's very much smut for the mums that one. I think like a time travel romance <laughs> thing. Like. Uh, but you again stars the hunk from that show. Sam, uh, you're getting love again. Sorry, stars the hunk from that show. Sam Hewan. Um And they are not the big star appeal, though. The big star appeal is none other than Celine Dion, who's playing a fictionalised version of herself in what looks like a spectacularly trashy rom-com. I've seen clips of her acting. She is terrible. I can't wait, sir. This is going to be awesome.
1: Oh, my God. This is going to be like Ed Sheeran in Game of Thrones all over again. Oh yeah. Um, oh I'll yeah. I look I look, look forward to hearing what you say about that next week. Um, we're also going to look at brainwashed sex camera power. Now, what is that about?
0: This is I believe this is a documentary about exploitation in the industry. Um, I wanted right. to see this at LFF. Uh, last year, but I, I, I think there's a schedule clash which always seems to bloody happen with me in the LFF. Uh, it's the thing, you can't cover festivals and be a week of release critic. It's impossible. Um, anyway, but yeah, so I was robbed of seeing this. I've really been looking forward to it. Uh, Curzon, I've got one out next week. Plan 75 as well. The fact that it is a Curzon movie always tells you good things. Um, uh, Asia Trinity uh, label uh, who are handling uh, Born to Fly, releasing Born to Fly this week are also back next week with uh, I believe this one's a Chinese drama called A Light Never Goes Out uh, we have the drama The Eight Mountains but all of this is just preamble, chump change this is all kibble and bits compared to what I'm looking forward to next week, none other than the gang, all reuniting for book club the next chapter diane keaton and the posse are back give me some of that jane Fonda, ladies come on mary steenburgen in the house i can't wait for book club too i'm a huge huge fan of book club so you know the book club are back and this time they're going on holiday give me some of that Candice Berger love i can't wait <laughs> have you seen book club you must have seen book have you seen book club
1: no i don't think i have no oh
0: man i love so jane Fonda so though so- yeah, you got to and she just plays jane fonda yeah. now in everything and she does in book club as well yeah seek out book club i think it is on one of the streaming platforms uh, do watch that we'll talk about the sequel next week book club the next chapter um so to everyone out there do go and see born to fly if you get the chance it's just breathtaking at times but guardians ends the trilogy on a nice note and the book club
1: are back next week well, we will be reviewing those next week. We'll see what Van has to think about uh, those that he gets to see in between now and then. Uh, well, that's all we've got time for this week on off screen, We will be back next week. Until then, I've been Adam Ball.
0: I've been Van Conner and we shall return.